When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The Hollywood Sources podcast is brought to you in association with the Royal Bank of Scotland. The Royal Bank has been part of Scottish communities for almost 300 years, helping businesses thrive, growing the economy, supporting customers to manage their money, and to fulfil their financial dreams. From the world's first overdraft to the first fully-fledged internet banking service, the Royal Bank of Scotland has always innovated to make banking easier for customers. Today, the Royal Bank supports around one in three Scottish businesses and is one of the largest banks in Scotland for personal customers. It also remains one of Scotland's largest private sector employers, contributing millions of pounds to the economy each year. As we approach the Royal Bank's third centenary in 2027, the bank's commitment to Scotland and to championing the potential of the people, families and businesses who call Scotland their home remains as strong as ever. The podcast starts now. Hello and welcome to Hollywood Sources, uh, a special emergency, last minute, quick bonus episode for you. It's Friday the 9th of February. We're here to respond primarily to the reshuffle of the Scottish Cabinet. Uh, Jeff Aberdeen is here. Hello, Jeff. Good afternoon. And Andy McKeever's here too. Hello, Andy. Hello. Uh, right, good. Thanks for assembling on a Friday afternoon to analyse. Well, first of all, something that if you were listening to this podcast uh, that was released, or the previous podcast episode that was released on Wednesday, you would have heard this. One thing I, I fully anticipate pretty soon is a uh, reshuffle at Holyrood. I, I think that there's going to have to be a, uh, a, a freshening up. Um, and that should be accompanied by, you know, the justification for freshening it up. We don't just say that this podcast takes you inside Scottish politics without meaning it. Jeff Aberdeen, take a bow. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I have to tell you that I sounded very good there. I, I mean, <laughs> sorry, I thought, I thought that was pretty eloquent. It doesn't, it doesn't ever feel like that. But anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, the stop clock's right twice a day, though. <laughs> <laughs> 
well, yeah. well done, Jeff. Um, well yeah. done. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Are we going to discuss it now? Or yeah, I'm sorry, to... I could do I was just basking in how good this podcast is for a minute. Uh, welcome new listeners, that's what you get. A day ahead of the news, you get the news. Uh, good. Right, let's get into the uh, top lines, really, of what's happened then in this reshuffle. So, right, bear with me as we go through this. So, uh, brand new cabinet, because Michael Matheson stood down... Uh, over his £11,000 data-roaming bill that he racked up on his iPad. Uh, he, he wrote a resignation letter. He says he doesn't want the ongoing parliamentary investigation into the scandal to be a distraction. I'm adding, probably a bit late for that. Uh, the investigation seemingly hasn't concluded yet. In any case, Michael Matheson resigned, and so there is a mini-reshuffle. So let's go through some of the names. Neil Gray is now Scotland's Health Secretary. Uh, he, was, uh, eco- he was made Economy Secretary in March 2023, so moves across to become Health Secretary. Mary McCallan, uh, the Net Zero and Economy Secretary roles have been combined into one, and so she is Economy, Net Zero and Energy Secretary. Fiona Hislop, uh, who had been serving as Transport Minister, she is promoted to become Transport Secretary. Uh, Christina McKelvey is now the Drugs and Alcohol Policy Minister. Elena Whittam stood down uh, earlier this week for health reasons. And a couple of other names just to mention, Kaukab Stewart, now Culture, Europe and International Development Minister, and Jim Fairley, who I noted actually the Scotsman observed, uh, backed Kate Forbes in the SNP leadership election, is going to become Agriculture and Connectivity Minister. So those are the names to be aware of. I think let's start with the resignation of Michael Matheson, shall we, uh, which he says he doesn't want to become a distraction. Jeff, is it, uh, well, where are we, what, three or four months too late for that? Well, um, uh, avid listeners of our podcast will know that when this whole issue came to a head some months ago, um, uh, I did say in the podcast, I felt that actually the best thing that, that, that should happen is he should stand down of his own volition or indeed Hamza should invite him to stand down and draw a line under it. A lot of political capital um, was spent at that time um, uh, and a lot of people questioned Hamza Yusuf's leadership, which I think was unfortunate. Uh, so the decision yesterday, I find the whole thing really, really strange. If he was going to take that decision, um, I'm assuming he would have alerted uh, the leadership to that. Wouldn't it have been better then, therefore, for the First Minister to then invite Michael Matheson to step down and so that he's in charge and in command of events as opposed to responding to events, which is you never want to be in that position in politics. And the result has been, and we'll get to the, 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 the meat of the bones in terms of the um, uh, uh, different positions that have been taken up soon, but I just kind of feel that it's a missed opportunity. I did say uh, on Wednesday that it's a freshening up opportunity, get mm-hmm. more impetus in. And yet every single newspaper splashed on this this morning in Scotland, and it was all predicated on the response to Michael Matheson and suggesting that actually Hamza Yusuf was weakened, not strengthened by this. And I just think that the choreography and the handling has been really poor uh, in that respect. And I think it is unfortunate, in all honesty, because, uh, as I say, these are one of the few opportunities you get mm. to be proactive on your own terms in politics. Uh, 
Andy, it has taken months. This has been bubbling for months. In fact, you know, as we've kind of observed, we still don't actually have the full results of the investigation, but Michael Matheson has resigned. In terms of what Jeff's saying there, the choreography of all of this, what's your analysis of it, and how damaging are these things? Because sometimes it can feel like reshuffles are quite an in thing for political nerds. I feel like the iPad expenses did cut through, actually, in a, in a kind of wider sense than a reshuffle might. And so that's the legacy of this, isn't it? You know, 11 grand on an iPad, and the, and the guy resigns months later. Um, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of cut through, I think it's it's another thing that Hamza didn't need, really, to be honest. Um, this sort of thing in isolation, it's not like it's completely unusual. I mean, you know, ministers get into bother and resign. I mean, this happens in politics fairly frequently all over the world. Um, so in isolation, it's not you know, a huge issue and wouldn't hang around for too long as a story. And the individual story probably won't hang around for too long anymore, to be honest with you. Mm. I think what does hang around, though, is the feeling of a government which isn't doing all that well um, and the perception of a government that uh, always has a negative story somewhere just around the corner. And I think that is the problem for Hamza because he's been in now for just under a year. And, you know, there's been a lot of problems following him around. Some of them are inherited problems, quite a lot of them actually, to be fair, are inherited problems, and some of them are self-inflicted. Um, and this is probably a little bit of both, to be mm. honest with you. So I, I think the individual Michael Matheson issue is you know, almost done now, to be honest with you, and we'll not be talking about it that much in future. Um, but the feeling of uh, a government which is not performing at the level that it would want to be performing at stays um, and potentially will just continue to get worse. There are positives, though, to this. Uh, I think another negative, sorry, incidentally, is Neil Gray leaving the economy brief. I should mention that. I think, you know, Neil Gray has real credibility amongst the business community. He talks their language. They are, um, they have confidence in Neil Gray. Uh, and I think moving him away from the economy is quite dangerous, actually. I understand why you want a safe pair of hands on health, but moving him away from the economy is dangerous. However, let me move on to uh, something a bit more positive, which is that um, the uniting of the net zero brief mm. and the economy brief is actually quite a sensible strategic thing to do because what it does is it underlines how critically important energy and the transition is to the economy. So putting those two briefs together makes uh, quite a good bit of sense, as does elevating transport to a cabinet post, which it always should have been anyway. So um, bad bad week, bad day. Absolutely, obviously, it is a bad day when you're forced into a reshuffle. And as Jeff says, when you can't do it on your own terms, it's not good. Um, but actually... I think given the set of cards they were dealt yesterday, I actually think that Hamza's done all right out of it. Mm. Two things, just before we get into some of the names that you've mentioned there. One is, I suppose the Michael Matheson story will still be floating around because we're still waiting for the investigation to come back. So when that happens, there could be whole new layers of, of the story to sort of unra unravel and unpick. Um, I think that's the first thing. And Jeff, actually, you mentioned the front pages of the papers. So I've looked them up just to kind of drop them in here just for a taste. Scottish Daily Express, First Minister is damaged by loyalty to Matheson. The Scotsman, weak in inverted commas. Yusuf under fire as Matheson finally has to quit. Uh, the Times, Scotland edition, Matheson leaves Yusuf 
Yusuf's leadership in new crisis. The Daily Telegraph uh, in Scotland, Yusuf under attack after Matheson finally quits. Uh, the Scottish Sun, Michael Mathis gone. Shamed health chief quits over roaming Bill Rowe. Scottish Daily Mail, iPad minister finally, underlined, finally quits. Uh, Daily Record, Matheson quits over old firm iPad fiasco. Uh, the Metro, Matheson pays price. The Herald uh, goes on something slightly different as its main story and has the picture of the new look cabinet. Yusuf promotes key ally to health secretary after Matheson quits over iPad roaming bill. Uh, so yes, not a favourable set of front pages. Um, shall we launch from that then into some of the names? So Neil Gray is yeah, where to start here. Uh, now Scotland's new health secretary. Uh, Jeff, do you agree with Andy that he's a loss actually on the kind of business side of things? Yes, I do. Um, first and foremost, Neil Gray is an Aberdeen football club supporter, so he's always got a stick <laughs> next to his name as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but yes, I do, because um, a lot of work that he did perhaps wasn't so much in the public eye as, as Andy's intimated in terms of his kind of proactiveness and reaching out to the business community. And that's certainly, you know, been fed back to me through various sources, not just in the northeast, but across Scotland. Um, and there's one particular policy proposal that I'm led to believe that he was a driver of, and that was identifying that the £500 million offshore wind supply chain fund uh, that would catalyse investment. And he recognised that we needed to look specifically at poor infrastructure and indeed um, supply chain companies so that they ha- they can transition um, uh, because many of these companies do not have the financial capital available uh, at their disposal to transition. So I thought that was a really good um, intervention, and, and I'm hoping, I'm encouraged by, you know, Mary McCallum. She's really talented as well, and I hope that she kind of picks up the mantle and and, and, and takes that forward. Um, but I do understand why, why Hums has gone t- for Neil to, t- to the health, because I think he's a very solid, unflappable guy, he just gets on and does it. He's, he's a grafter, uh, and I think uh, he's going to need all of those skills and more uh, given the health brief is hugely challenging just now, and, and even the IFS report that's out today just lays bare the challenges in front of the Scottish NHS, and so he's going to have a you know a, a huge um, task ahead of him. But but I, I can certainly see why Hamza thinks, yeah, no, he's the man uh, for the job. If I may just mention um, uh, uh, Gillian Martin as well, who who wasn't uh, mentioned in your kind of roundup, mm. uh, she's taken on some extra responsibilities as well. That's really good news because I think Gillian. Um, as a kind of a junior energy minister, but taking on some more of the just transition um, uh, briefings is actually positive. Um, she's somebody that really gets it, and um, uh, and I think that's a good move as well. Uh, I, I just want to quickly return, if I may, though, uh, Callum, to your point. You went through the headlines there, mm-hmm. and and I just didn't need to be this way. And, mm-hmm. and that choreography, I'd be fascinated to know why. You know, Michael, who I've got a lot of time for, I said before, I think he's actually you know, a very good servant to, to the Scottish government. But I don't understand why he did it uh, and didn't allow Hamza. If you don't want something to be a distraction, let Hamza try and do it on his own terms and so that he does get some sort of benefit from, you know, shuffling the pack. So I feel that that has been a bit of a, a communications uh, mishap, uh, for want of a better phrase. But I also agree with Andy, actually. It's come out okay for him in the longer term. I think it will come out okay for him in the longer term. But he really needs a bit of luck, Hamza. <laughs> uh, he, he does not have his uh, problems to see. Can I read you this from uh, the Times article on this today? The senior ministerial team will not include Kate Forbes, the former finance secretary whom Yusuf defeated in the SNP leadership contest, gosh, nearly a year ago. Senior figures close to the first minister discussed the idea of bringing her back, but it was decided that it was too soon. Andy, what do you make of that? 
yeah, obviously. Well, Why would he bring soon. Kate Forbes back? Yeah. Well, it's not that it's too soon, it's that it doesn't work, right? If he brings Kate Forbes back, all he gets is major problems inside his own cabinet and his own government with some people in the SNP, but more particularly with his colleagues in the Green Party. They won't let him bring her back. I mean, look, there's no doubt in Kate Forbes' qualities. Kate Forbes is the number of the 129 MSPs sitting in that parliament. Kate Forbes is the best. She's the number one, right? She would be clearly suitable for any role in government and would help that role and would be an asset. But this is politics. This is not a meritocracy. This is politics. And bringing Kate Forbes back, whilst it would be very popular outside the building, it'd be very popular with the business community, it'd be very popular with people who like her ideas, which are many, many people, bringing her back doesn't work politically for him because it calls into question the future of the Butte House Agreement and they're not ready to talk about the future of the Butte House Agreement yet. Politics is politics. Kate Forbes is never coming back. But Andy, you said something really interesting there. Kate Forbes' appointment would have been popular outside the building, as in the general public. And it's the general public that decide who our politicians are going to be at the ballot box. And I tell you, we've got a general election in our midst. This is Hamza Yusuf's cup final. This is the Champions League Cup final. He has got his biggest test coming up. And in those sort of contests, you want your best players on the pitch. And I think every effort should be made to try and find an accommodation for, for Kate Forbes. Would she have t- necessarily accepted a job? Or I don't know. I genuinely mm-hmm. don't know. But, you know, if it's about the Greens relationship or however she might have gone down with other colleagues, let's just remember that she served in the government with wide acclaim previously. And secondly, you, ultimately, this is designed, your government is designed to serve the people. And if you're right, and I think you are right, that outside the building and the general public would approve of that, wouldn't it be a good thing? Wouldn't it be good politics to have appointed her? Yes, but the people inside the building, as we know, have a very different perspective from the people outside the building. And I think the bubble that surrounds that building is becoming thicker and thicker all the time. I think we know this. I don't think we disagree. I just think we've got to work with political reality here. I never expected it to happen yesterday. I just didn't expect it was good. I didn't think it was ever even on the cards. Would it have been good for Kate Forbes? Because isn't there an easy argument to make here that by her not being included... And if the public are supporters of her, they go, oh, well, she's been hard done by here and her support goes up, Jeff. You, you raise a really interesting point. Um, uh, I'll, 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 I'll answer that direct question shortly. But it wouldn't have, you know, Andy's talking about politics, good politics. And wouldn't it have been good politics for Hamza to offer a job and for her to feel that she had to say no? <laughs> and then she could, you know, he could turn around and say, ah, I told mm. you, she's not a team player. You know, she's not part of the, mm. uh, um, the, 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 the party, you know, she's not aligned. So that could have been a route as well. Um, uh, in terms of uh, Kate Forbes, is she, is she disappointed right now? Probably not, mm. in all honesty. I mean, I, I think she'd find it difficult. And I do accept Andy's uh, rationale and his argument that he makes there that, um, I mean, what position she, could she you know, conceivably gone into? Into finance? Well, she's been very outspoken about income tax mm-hmm. divergence with the rest of the UK. Um, uh, so perhaps it's maybe best all round in that internal politics uh, viewpoint. But I just feel that they've got to think, broaden their horizon and realise that you know, the general public's watching, there is a general election coming up, and wouldn't you want to have your best team on the pitch? 
<laughs> I know I would. Mm, mm. Very, very interesting. It's in- the other thing about this, of course, from a, from a kind of Hamza Yusuf point of view, is that at every turn there are questions about Kate Forbes, and it's it's just really interesting that that hasn't gone away in the in the nearly a year since the leadership contest, Andy. That whatever happens, people kind of think about her and uh, almost look to her as the answer to some of his problems at uh, basically every every twist. Well, because the Holyrood Parliament across all parties is not a place that is blessed with talent. It's not. Mm. You know, we, there's, it's, a, it's a bigger conversation, but one of the difficulties we have, and I think there's a lot behind it, and I've written about this quite a lot before, is that we need to attract substantially better people so yeah. that we raise the average in that building. So when you have somebody who is so talented sitting on the sidelines, it's inevitable that it's going to attract a bit of attention. So I don't think that's going to go away. Mm. Uh, can I ask just another, just one final element of the reshuffle uh, is around Michael Matheson's um, severance. Uh, he's going to get £12,712. He's entitled to 25% of his £50,849 ministerial salary. It is noted in many of the papers today that this is £1,777 more than he paid back for his iPad data bill. So he's come out of this all right in the end, Jeff, hasn't he really? Matheson, he's walking away quite happily. Listen, those are the <laughs> rules. He's getting this evidence, that's what it is. I couldn't be arsed talking about any of it. <laughs> Andy? What's the severance package from Hollywood Sources? Uh, it's, I'll send you another bottle of whiskey. Okay, fine. I'll take it. Well, thanks for all you've done, Andy. It's been a good year. Uh, <laughs> uh, right, this is, this is Hollywood Sources. Uh, thank you for being with us. Your thoughts on the reshuffle, and I suppose who's in and who's out, really, is the, is the question to ask. Uh, you can email hello at hollywoodsources.com. If you don't want to hear these ads and you're listening on Apple Podcasts, then you can pay $4.99 a month and you'll never hear the ads again. Just press subscribe at the top of your feed and support the podcast that way. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hollywood Sources podcast is brought to you in association with the Royal Bank of Scotland. The Royal Bank has been part of Scottish communities for almost 300 years, helping businesses thrive, growing the economy, supporting customers to manage their money and to fulfil their financial dreams. 
From the world's first overdraft to the first fully-fledged internet banking service, the Royal Bank of Scotland has always innovated to make banking easier for customers. Today, the Royal Bank supports around one in three Scottish businesses and is one of the largest banks in Scotland for personal customers. It also remains one of Scotland's largest private sector employers, contributing millions of pounds to the economy each year. As we approach the Royal Bank's third centenary in 2027, the bank's commitment to Scotland and to championing the potential of the people, families and businesses who call Scotland their home remains as strong as ever. We want to go on to talk about the Labour Party just for a few minutes, just because they've made news uh, in the last 24 hours as well. Before I do that, just to mention that this podcast will be at the Labour Party Co- Scottish Labour Party Conference next weekend, in fact, uh, a week from today. Uh, we are doing what we did at the SNP conference, which is going along to uh, Jeff's company, True North's Drinks, which basically becomes a bit of a schmooze fest of MSPs, potentially some MPs, journalists, etc. So we're at a pub in Glasgow. Um, and Jeff, you, you're issuing an invitation. If you'd like to come along <laughs> to the pub, it is, it's ticketed, it's in, invitational, you can't just rock up. But if you'd like to come along, you can email us, hello at hollyroodsources.com, and we'll put you in touch with the right people. Um, there might be an invasion now, Jeff. Have you got enough space? Yeah. You're very generous, Callum, to invite people to something to, to another company's event. But yes, <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah, no. uh, I, I, Jeff I, I paid, Jeff I, paid I, the tab. I still think there's some spaces. I, okay. I don't know, but uh, please, if people really want to come along, then get in touch and we'll yeah. see. Drop us an email, hello at hollywoodsources.com. And of course, you'll be able to hear the podcast episode from Scottish Labour Conference as well. Right, let's go on to discuss Labour just for a few minutes. As I say, just because they've uh, made news, we're still talking about it all uh, just now. This is the £28 billion on Labour's Green Prosperity Plan that was announced a couple of years ago uh, as part of their, sort of, in fact, really their main policy idea. £28 billion a year would be spent on green investment uh, to support jobs, to decarbonise the UK uh, uh, electricity supply to insulate homes, uh, all sorts of things. The plan has been dramatically scaled back. Uh, so the £28 billion has been stood down. The plan is now costed at £5 billion a year instead of 28 It's going to be funded by an extended windfall tax on oil and gas instead of by borrowing. These are just some of the key elements to all of this. Uh, we were reporting it on Times Radio Breakfast this morning. Um, we actually had Ryan Crichton on from the Aberdeen and Grampian Chamber of Commerce who, to you know, to be frank, went absolutely in on this decision, calling it out, saying it's a terrible decision. We put all of his points to Jonathan Reynolds, the Shadow Business Secretary as well. That was a bit of a spiky interview, I have to say. Uh, but he was quite defensive of the move, saying, you know, this is about Labour being responsible and demonstrating that we're not going to kind of take decisions that we can't fund. Uh, the sort of economic situation is too precarious for that. Uh, right, who wants to go first on what is really quite a substantial U-turn for the Labour Party? Andy McKeever. Um, I quite... I've always been quite positive about the Labour strategy of not saying very much. From a political strategist perspective, I think it's quite sensible because I think this is a change election uh, and I think Labour can largely get away with saying, you know what, obviously we're going to be better than the Tories, so just let us in and we'll tell you what we're going to do afterwards. So as a strategy, I always thought it was OK. But I think the difficulties of that strategy are becoming clear because 
As they announce more solid proposals, it turns out that most of them are really stupid. And this is the problem that I think we might be encountering. So the, 20, the, the, the energy profits levy is a really stupid policy. Um, I know that it sounds great because we get to take lots of money from these really rich oil and gas bastards, right? So that's just a great idea, isn't it? We'll take all that money and we'll give it to the NHS and everybody will sleep easily in their beds. But unfortunately, life doesn't work like that. Like, you know, this is not this is not the way it actually works. These profits are required. Profits are good because profits are redistributed into renewables and that is how we have an energy transition. Without the profits, you don't have the staff. We heard at the podcast in Aberdeen a couple of weeks ago from the company who's already shed staff because of the energy profits mm-hmm. levy. They've already got rid of staff in Aberdeen. That is what this tax does. It reduces profits, it sheds staff, and it means you don't have the money to invest into the transition. So it's a stupid policy, which Labour is making even more stupid, according to this decision. You then have the £28 billion. That's also a daft decision as well, because actually investing in renewables and in all the associated things that go with a net zero future actually gives you a significant global competitive advantage, and it's a very good return on investment that you'd get. And it's not only in that area, because that's two of what I think are the only three policies that I've heard Labour talk about specifically. The third one being uh, VAT on private schools. Another policy that makes people think, isn't that great? See these people who can afford to send their kids to private schools, we should definitely be taxing them more because they're all so rich. That's a great policy. It's not a great policy, it's a totally stupid policy. Because what it does in hard-pressed areas where there are private schools that are not Harrow and Eton. They're not price sensitive. Nobody's going to change their behaviour over that. But there are lots of other independent schools and lots of other areas where parents of those children will not be able to afford to send the children to those schools when the fees go up as a result of that. But they also live in the most attractive catchment areas where the state schools are already full. So there's not going to be anywhere for these kids to go. The state's then going to have to build more capacity in more schools and it's going to end up costing us more money than it makes in tax. Another stupid policy. So, I mean, I'm quite sympathetic to a lot of what Labour's doing. And I think across the piece, it would be good for the country if Labour got a go at it at Westminster, because I think the Tories are very tired. But for God's sake, they have to grow up a little bit. And if they're going to actually put some meat on the bones, make it half decent, not this rubbish. Wowzer. Well, I'm ve- I'm quite lost for words. Um, Andy McKeever has had his wheat a bit <laughs> this Friday afternoon. That was quite something. And a lot of it, actually, I agree with, particularly around the, the Green Prosperity Pledge as well. I don't want to echo a lot of what, what, what Andy said, but let's look at the politics of this just for a second. Mm. And again, we talked about choreography with the SNP and the reshuffle earlier on. Um, Rishi Sunak made two pretty significant blunders this week well publicised uh, at PMQs and also around taking a thousand pound bets, which were let's callous and then callous and extreme and perhaps pretty silly and ill judged. And yet, even the Labour Party managed to to kind of blow those two things out of the water with this massive reversal of policy. I disagree with Andy on something though. I've always said you need to tell people it is a change election, but you need to tell people what they're changing to. And you do need to have clear policies. Isn't it unfortunate 
that these policies haven't been particularly well thought out. How much of an impact this will have, we'll wait and see. It's it's going to be very interesting. But I'll tell you something, this election really could be lowest common denominator politics. You know, people scunnered with incumbent Tories, a little bit of scunner factor with incumbent SNP. We've discussed that both previously and perhaps even a scunner factor with what Labour have got to offer. I think all parties need to raise their game here uh, and try and... Uh, uh, meet the aspirations and ex- expectations of the public. Mm. And just a very final quick thought, Jeff. It feels like the response to uh, the Labour decision has only sort of just begun. So we had some of it this morning from, uh, we had the CEO of Energy UK on Times Radio Breakfast as well. And she was basically saying, you know, there's something to be said for certainty in all of this, in that now Labour, you know, this has been floating around for months that this is going to go away. At least there's something in, you know, even if the even if the certainty isn't something that people do not support, at least they know what's going on. But it, it just feels like companies are going to have to get to grips with what Labour are saying. And so because of that, for months to come, we're still going to be talking about this and how people actually feel about it as we get closer to the election. Yeah, let me just take one example. So the, the document they published said that they'd abandoned the £28 billion annual fund on clean energy, green jobs and home insulation, first pledge in 2021. The document says the party's green pledges will be paid for by an extended windfall tax on oil and gas giants, uh, some borrowing powers and investment from the private sector. I mean, in a Scottish context... Mm. That's an additional windfall tax on the most taxed mature basin in the world. That's Scottish resources going to meet UK-wide pledges. I mean, if I were the SNP, certainly previous to their presumption against oil and gas, I'd be kicking up a bit of a song and dance on this one. Yeah. There you have it. A bonus Friday episode because political parties can't stop committing news. Thanks very much for being with us on Hollywood Sources. Uh, We usually drop into your feed on a Wednesday, uh, but when news happens, we're there with it as well. So next week, uh, we will actually have Jim Murphy, the former leader of Scottish Labour on. That's ahead of us being at Scottish Labour Conference as well next weekend. Uh, If you'd like to come and have a drink on Jeff, then you can email hello at hollywoodsources.com. Or if you'd like to ask any questions or respond to the reshuffle or indeed Labour's plans uh, for green investment, disappearing into the air uh, then feel free to email hello at hollywoodsources.com please follow the podcast please subscribe to it leave us a little review as well obviously it's a five star review that you should leave Uh, thank you very much and we will talk to you again next week Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.